Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 146 of Geek Time Radio. I'm back this week with... <laughs> Matt. Hey David, how are you doing? All right, how are you? I'm not, not too bad. Good, not too bad. good. So what have you been up to? It's it's only been a couple of weeks since you were last on, so... Uh... Yes, yes. And within those couple of weeks, I've gotten a bit obsessed with a franchise called Cloverfield, um, <laughs> which came back with a third film last Sunday, was it? Uh, yeah, the, after the yeah. Super Bowl, they, they came out with a new film. Yeah. So while the Super Bowl was happening, Netflix basically dropped a trailer and said like, New Cloverfield, you'll find out the answers, some of the answers to the first film, and usually at the end of a Netflix trailer, it will, it will tell you dates and stuff, and it just said after the game. So uh, <laughs> yeah. um, that is is exactly what happened. Uh, woke up Monday morning, and it was on Netflix, a brand new Cloverfield, which a few days before I knew not much about. <laughs> um, they did drop a full trailer a bit after, but the, yeah, the whole yeah. film's out anyway. So yeah, it's it's weird. They yesterday or the day before they dropped a like full trailer for it. You're like it's a yeah. bit late now. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've we've talked before about Netflix dropping things out of nowhere. But yes, this was a fairly major thing to drop out of nowhere. Yeah, the first Cloverfield was in 2008, which obviously left a lot of big mystery and big questions as a big monster mystery film would do. Yeah. Um, and then they had a new film in 2016, which was 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was kind of connected, but kind of its own story. And then two years later, they've dropped, uh, it's called The Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. And uh, I won't give anything away, of course, but it does answer a few things it's still its own kind of story but it gives you answers to some things that have happened before and explains why some things are different uh right, yeah. the, the film in itself is quite strange and quite crazy there's some very weird things that happen but they i feel like at least from what i got from it uh, i felt like they explained some of that quite well so that was very very good um good. i started like looking online at theories and went down a bit of a rabbit hole uh, but quite a fun <laughs> one and then sort of to search for Cloverfield on YouTube and found quite a few videos and then after I watched about four or five I thought okay I'll stop now and then I pressed back and then there was another short while I thought oh, I'll just watch that and then it just kept going from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, YouTube, fun... that YouTube rabbit hole does keep going if you let it. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun to look at different theories and things um, and I was I can't remember the guy's name actually but I'd come across this guy's video and he was the only one who'd done like an actual camera video the others had like pictures of the films and talked over it. Right, yeah. But this guy was like he was in the it was quite funny he was in the middle of explaining a theory and then he sort of paused and he went oh my god and then he came up with something completely else d- different and then he just went down his own rabbit hole um, <laughs> and he's like this isn't in my notes this has just come to me 
my head sort of thing yeah. uh, but that's been very very fun to look to look into so yes in case you didn't uh, guess I'm very invested in, in the universe and to see where it goes um, <laughs> and apparently Cloverfield falls out in October so I don't have too much longer to wait Yeah. and yesterday I was looking at a few more bits and pieces Cloverfield 5 is being developed already and apparently stars is it da- Daisy Ridley from um, oh really okay Star Wars apparently it does that's just internet video rumours stuff so take that as you will um, interesting but yeah apparently you know, 3 just come out 4 is apparently out in October and 5 is apparently being being made so really looking forward to, to seeing what they do a lot of people said oh are they going to make, ever make like a proper sequel to the first one because that's what I think people like really want yeah um, and I think you'll just get bits and bobs that connect to it I don't know if you'll ever get like a proper sequel but that's the whole part of mystery I guess yeah, I think may- to... maybe they'd argue these are proper sequels <laughs> yeah yeah so that's, that's part of the mystery as well is like when do these events take place and how do they connect and all that kind of stuff yeah, so yeah. But the, the Cloverfield Paradox the new film specifically does answer a few more questions than what 10 Cloverfield Lane does right yeah 10 Cloverfield Lane is more of like another Cloverfield but in a slightly different part but you know it's connected yeah whereas the Paradox has some more actual answers and stuff. Yeah. There's an interesting bit of gaming news that came out within the last week. A new Crash Bandicoot might be coming out next year, <laughs> which uh, no, I'm, of course... Yeah, completely yeah. obsessed with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, might, might have done one or two videos and pieces of content on it. Maybe, maybe just a few, you know. Yeah. Um, just a few reviews here and there. It, it sort of makes sense because yeah. they, they, they reissued the originals, didn't they? And they seem to have gone down incredibly well with people. So it sort of makes sense that they're going to leverage that for a new game. Yeah, Activision have said they've got a five-year plan. And there's some rumors that it might be a remaster of Crash Team Racing, but there's also some other rumors that say it might be a new game. Either way, if they if they were to do a new game, all they'd kind of need to do is get this new engine that they've just made and just make a new game with it, basically. Just fill it with new stuff. Mm. That's all I kind of want anyway. Just basically like a, a fourth one in the, uh, yeah. in the in the trilogy, I guess. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And hopefully we should see something at E3, which is still a few months away, but yeah. hopefully we should see something there. But very interested things i've actually been watching the santa it's not actually called the it's the santa clarita diet santa clarita Di- yes yeah yeah that's the one about um it's another zombie one isn't it yeah and i, I like i like to watch things with different twists on zombies like eye zombies sort of in that wheelhouse as well like it's yeah. a similar zombie thing but it's got different things in it essentially this mum who um just living their normal life and then she uh, has this accident that happens and i guess her like appetite whatever changes and she can't eat like meat or anything yeah. and the only thing she can like stomach to eat is flesh unfortunately so yeah. the story kind of takes itself from there and then like their daughter finds out and they get this this cop who says like I have these these people I need you to kill and it sort of goes from <laughs> there and it gets uh, some of the eating scenes are a bit odd and a bit weird just the way that Drew Barrymore's character is just like sitting there eating a foot like it's nothing <laughs> it's, it's very strange to watch uh, yeah. and the husband adjusts surprisingly well but he has the sort of I have no choice kind of thing like, yeah yeah this is just how this is now yeah. so it's it's very it's very interesting uh, it was 10 episodes and they're about half an hour each uh, yeah. have you seen any of them I've seen the first one I need to go back and okay. watch the rest of it it was quite good I seem to remember mm-hmm. they killed Nathan, Nathan Fillion in the first one yeah yeah but no that's been very very fun the episode like the, the season finale finished and then I thought oh there's a the next one and then like there wasn't I thought hang on was that the end of the season and it was 
It just sort of um, stops. Hmm, yeah, yeah. A bit sort of mid, not mid-scene, but like things are happening, a character says right. something and then it finishes. So it's okay. like, okay, that's strange. But right. uh, I look forward to season two. Yeah. I watched the season finale for The Gifted, which I thought was a bit of a bigger step up than the rest of the season. Yes. I didn't feel like they needed the other three episodes that were in there or some of that stuff. Right. Because the, the way the 10th episode ended, which I thought was the season finale, I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of an interesting cliffhanger. And then yeah. you told me that there was three more. They could maybe have taken like one of those out or something. I don't know. Yes. Some of those did feel a bit fillery sort of throughout yeah, the season. I, I thought some of them were a little bit fillery, but I mean, it was, it was good enough season. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes next, given that the exec producer has been kicked off. So, uh, Oh yeah. The Brian Fuller, is it? The man who can't seem to stay on anything. Is oh, no, 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 it's not Brian Fuller. It's Brian, oh. it's Brian Singer, Brian Singer who, uh, yeah. who has been uh, dropped due to uh, various allegations like half of Hollywood so so he's gone because of that and uh, I I mean I don't think it will have that much of an effect on the show but because he was the connection to the X-Men franchise because he was the man behind the X-Men franchise well Disney is the connection (laughs) because they bought it so well maybe it still hasn't gone through yet so uh, Mm. yeah it depends if that goes through or not and then the last thing is uh, I watched the first two episodes of The Expanse oh yeah Um, a particular group of podcasters I follow are going to be covering it uh, the third season so I thought I'd, I'd better catch up what got me a bit nervous was they said it was March but it turns out it was Ju- it's June that it's coming back so uh, yeah and it will be later yeah it will be later than that over here I would think if it's June in the US it doesn't run straight afterwards in the UK yeah there's a big gap usually so oh, okay. it doesn't usually land over here until well after the series has ended. Ah, okay. So uh, you've got plenty of time, don't worry. Good, good. But I watched the first two episodes. I thought I thought it was good. Of course, that's just the first two, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing where that goes. Yeah. I've gotten a bit stuck on Outward Carbon. It's sort of, I'm still interested, but it's sort of, I guess I don't quite understand what's happening. It, um, is, it is a lot to, to follow. Yeah, um, it's, there's a lot of different yeah. strange things that are happening. As I think I was saying last week, it's it's one of those things that you you can't be half watching you need to be really focused on it to actually take everything yeah. in because it's it's not something you can kind of half watch your phone and, and watch the tv it really you need to be fully concentrated on it because there is so much going on in that series mm-hmm. but i'm on episode four or five of that so i'll i'll uh, continue with that soon yeah and that's everything i have i've been looking at zombies as well this week because i've i'm finally mm-hmm. after years of of being way way behind on it i'm finally up to date with iZombie because the new series comes back in a few weeks so i'm looking forward to that returning really interesting place they end it and uh, it's just a fun little series that i've been thoroughly enjoying it and i've got sort of more into it as as it's gone on i sort of watched a few episodes of the first season and then took a break for ages and then went back to it and then took a break for ages and then went back to it but because (laughs) i've been looking for things to kind of catch up with this was one of the shows that i really kind of wanted to get behind so I'm um, I've thoroughly enjoyed the last few seasons it's it's definitely improved as the seasons has gone on Robert said the season three finale was was kind of dark to him yeah I, uh, which I, I, I kind of agree with so yeah I heard him say that because you did a you did a sort of uh, preview podcast didn't you and yeah, uh, yeah I listened through that because it's only about 20 minutes long and yeah I, I know what he's saying about he's worried about things going darker I don't think yeah. it's I don't think they'll do that with iZombie I think it's mm-hmm. such a light show anyway despite the fact that he's dealing with zombies it's a fun kind of show so I I, th- I don't think they're going to go epically dark with it in any way but <laughs> we'll see where that goes so I finished that off um, I'm just waiting for the new season 
Jason. We also need a name for the podcast, by the way, because oh, we, yeah. really, we did a bit of brainstorming on the podcast. I was like, I can't sit here on the podcast for 10 minutes and, yeah, yeah. and brainstorm it. So, no. uh, so if you can think of like a decent, name. if you can think of a decent name for a, an iZombie UK based podcast, just send us a message either on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. So uh, Absentia was the other thing that I finished this week as well. I really enjoyed that series. Solid drama and sort of thriller and uh, a whodunit series. Uh, oh. It's the one that stars Stanakatic from Castle. Very much not a dramedy like Castle was. It's uh, much more a full-on thriller. That I, I think the, the sign of a good, decent thriller is how long it keeps you guessing as to who the killer is. And I, I was guessing, I think, right up until the last sort of couple of episodes. There were various people it could have possibly quite conceivably been and it wasn't till the last couple of episodes I kind of twigged who it probably was so uh, you know I, I think that's a good sign of a decent well-written drama so uh, what's that on that sounds quite interesting it's on Amazon Prime that is ah, if you've got Amazon okay. Prime it's you can uh, find it on there so I just started uh, American Vandal which is a bit of a whodunit although they tried to, to um, pin it on that guy so I'm kind of right. interested in, in those sorts of stories yeah so I might check that out so Absentia were really good The X-Files came back finally in the UK the opening episode was a bit uh, I've not uh, heard very good things no I'm told the rest of the season is much better the opening episode kind of seems like them trying to write themselves out of a corner which they wrote themselves into at the end of the last season Mm. Uh, and in some respects I kind of will forgive them a little bit for that because it's quite often that writers do write themselves into a corner and you know if it's going to get it back to being a bit more of the old X-Files which seems to be what they were planning on doing for the rest of the season I will be quite happy for them to kind of use this first episode to try and sort out all the storylines that they mucked up you know so Mm. uh, and I know there are some people who are massively into X-Files and are really really upset with that episode and I get why but uh, you know it wasn't great I'm hoping that the rest of the series is much better and as far as I, I'm aware it is. And uh, Hard Sun was the other thing that I looked at as well. This is a BBC, I can't remember if it's BBC One or BBC Two, I think it's BBC Two, but uh, this is a drama which currently running on BBC. I've come quite late to it because I think it's already aired six episodes. I'm not sure how many it is in total, but uh, I'm working my way through them now. The basic setup for it is it starts off, it's from the guys that do Luther, so that's a fairly strong pedigree behind it Mm -hmm. basic setup starts like any other sort of london cop drama in that you have a slightly shady di who's in charge of this unit you have a young female that ends up being forced upon him as a new partner after his old partner has died they turn up to a a, what appears to be an apparent suicide although it becomes fairly obvious quite quickly that it probably wasn't and turns out the guy's a hacker he's hacked into GCHQ it's where all the top secret information is and the stolen a file which appears to have uh, spooked him so when the, and they eventually see the file it 
reveals that the planet has only five more years left before the entire human race is wiped out. So that's hmm. essentially the setup for it. So it's this odd mix of this sort of cop drama, but it has this kind of slight sci-fi thing kind of bubbling underneath it. But hmm. it, it, it's a really solid thriller of, you know, a lot of the cases that they're then looking at in the subsequent episodes are people reacting to the leaks about this news even though they've tried to sort of say it's a hoax and the government have discredited it obviously there are a lot of people who are conspiracy nuts that don't really believe it and a lot of the cases that follow are, are related around that so uh, it's a really really solid drama if you've not caught that yet it's called hard sun and it's on uh, it'll be on iplayer if you want to go and catch that cool i might go and check that out that yeah quite cool it's it's really good particularly if you like things like lutheran and stuff if you like those sort of gritty bbc dramas well worth going to watch the other big news for me this week was i bought a switch Yes, uh, a Nintendo did. Switch. <laughs> so I started playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is what every sort of Nintendo Zelda game has been before it. It's great. It's expansive. It's really fun to go and play through. I sort of had a couple of days playing that, and then Civilization <laughs> dropped an expansion called Rise and Fall, and I absolutely adore the Civilization games. So I, I sort of went and played a game on that, and anybody that's played Civilization knows that those games can take like two or three days to play through. So I then ended up... <laughs> kind of playing that for a few days and uh, got that out of my system had to play with some of the new races and done some really interesting things that alter and, and tweak how various settings work and it gives you a bunch of new leaders to try and play as well so uh, i was playing through that for a bit then went back to zelda and uh, i also have mario odyssey as well so i was played a few levels of mario odyssey which is uh, is great as well i i mean it's it's interesting there's some great bits in that where it, it flips from being 3d back into 2D Mario yeah like those pipes in the walls and you sort of run into the wall and you end up playing 2D Mario on the wall so uh, that's <laughs> I, that's kind of really fun and interesting and uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying playing that as well so I, I don't know whether I, I'll stick with that for a bit and then maybe go back to Zelda later I'm not sure but uh, have you on. tried it in handheld much and, and stuff a little bit I've played it in handheld not a huge amount mostly I've been using it on TV I think I said to you when I told you I, I got it well a great thing about having the controllers separate in each hand is when you've yeah. got when you've got cats that insist on sitting on your lap it's quite useful yeah because you can have your yeah. hands either side so that's that's quite handy i quite like the controller scheme the um right hand side's a little odd in that i feel that the certainly on zelda the cancel button and the action button are, are the wrong way around for me because to me okay. the action button should always be the bottom one and it's not it's the right button that just mm. you know maybe i can i can reset that but uh, maybe yeah, yeah. Gen generally i've been thoroughly enjoying the the switch though i'm mm. uh, i'm away at uh, the pc gamer weekend next weekend so i shall be taking it down with me so i've got something go. to play when i go down there <laughs> pc gamer weekender is is next weekend you can go and get tickets online if you've uh, if you're a pc gamer and you've not got tickets for that yet the one thing i struggle with with the switch is the right joy con or right analog stick yeah i just find it to be a little bit off yeah i'm sort of with you on that as well yeah I, it needs to be a little bit higher the left one's great the right one sort of needs to be a direct oh, yeah. mirror yeah. of it and it isn't so it feels a little bit weird but uh generally generally i thoroughly enjoying it though they've been saying that the switch is supposed to last for five to ten years or something cool i don't really want to buy another one anytime yeah. soon so there you go yeah. so, they're, so doing, yes. they're doing very very well for sales and stuff so they are they hopefully are. quite a good uh life ahead of it i hope so too so yeah so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some 
some uh, TV and film news. So we kick off the TV and film news with the air date updates as usual. Netflix has picked up a couple of sci-fi dramas. The first one is Ghost Wars, which is from Simon Barry, who's the guy that made Continuum. I don't know whether you ever saw that series. Nope. It's a very, very good sci-fi series. It's a uh, paranormal television series. It takes place in a remote Alaskan town that has been overrun by paranormal forces. The series focuses on a local outcast called Roman Mercer, who must overcome the town's prejudices and his own personal demons if he's to harness his repressed psychic powers and save everybody from a mass haunting that threatens to destroy them all. That's the basic setup for that. Uh, it's got a few interesting cast in it because it's got Kim Coates, who was one of the guys from Sons of Anarchy. It's got Vincent D'Onofrio in it as well. And uh, it's got Meatloaf in it as well. So yes, interesting set of people. Uh, the lead's a guy called uh, Avon Georgia, who I don't know at all. I think he's been in some team things, but uh, oh. but I don't really know him otherwise. The other show they've picked up is called Superstition, which is another sci-fi show. Uh, oh yeah, Ghost Wars starts on the 1st of March, by the way, on Netflix. Uh, Superstition starts on the 9th of March. This series tells the story of the Hastings family, who are the owners of a funeral home and the cemetery in the mysterious town of La Rochelle, Georgia. The family provide additional service for the aftermath of dead people killed by demonic infernals. So, hmm. no idea whether that'd be any good or not. Stars, <laughs> stars Mario Van Peebles is the uh, lead in that. But um, yeah, so those are those are two sci-fi shows. If you want to go and catch them, they're on Netflix. A few return dates for you. Riverdale is coming back on the 8th of March for part three of its second series and Dynasty's back for part three of its first series and that's on the 10th of March which is the Saturday so is this more US breaks basically yeah if you're wondering yeah. why everything's late this year because we've noticed everything seems to be coming back late this year yeah. I think it's the Winter Olympics I think that a lot of things are running a bit scared of the Winter Olympics because we always have a bit of a break around about this time because of the th stuff like the Super Bowl mm -hmm. causes problems and they have different holidays and that sort of stuff over there. So there's always a few breaks around this time of year, but it seems that everything's been bumped back a little because of the uh, the Winter Olympics and they're kind of all running scared and don't want to go up against it. So <laughs> that seems to be why everything's got bumped back a bit later this year. Other things we've got coming, uh, Young Sheldon's finally got an air date, which is the 22nd of February. That's on E4. That's going to be at 8.30. It's going to be preceded by the Big Bang Theory at uh, 8pm and that's on 22nd of February. Looking forward to seeing what young Sheldon's actually like. Yeah, yeah he looks um, interesting from the trailers. It's basically like season one Sheldon but worse in terms of like how sort of smart he tries to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's, yeah. it's different as well in the way that it's shot. It's a single camera comedy as opposed to a multi-camera like filmed in front of a studio audience Yeah, as well. So it's a very different sort of show which was an interesting way of going for it. It, it looks a bit like Sheldon the one years for uh, those of you who are old enough to remember that mm. series other dates we've got now, uh, Homeland coming on Sunday the 18th of February for season seven. So that's back. Billions, that's season three of that coming to Sky Atlantic. That's on the 29th of March. They've announced that. And uh, one cancellation as well. Once Upon a Time will come to an end with season seven, which is the current season. No great surprise at that. I mean, they could have ended at season six and it yeah. sort of did end at season six. They wanted to carry on going. So they tried to 
completely revamped the show and it hasn't worked. So you sort of give them some credit for at least trying to do something, but it was a shot and they missed. So, you know, uh, that's going to come to an end. They are saying, though, that because they knew this was very you know, a risky venture and it was very much a possibility it will get canned, they have got two possible ends written out to it. So uh, there will be some proper conclusions at the end of this series. It's not going to leave things hanging, so the producers say, apparently. So, uh, mm. so that's good news. Moving on to the bigger news stories. Disney released a bit more information about its direct-to-consumer streaming service, <laughs> which uh, which still yet to has a name. They really, somebody else that has issues with naming things. So, <laughs> yeah. as you may have been reading around, there are a couple of new streaming services. DC have got one in the works, which is coming in 2019, and Disney have also got one in the works, which is coming in 2019. We don't know much more about the DC one at the moment, but what Disney have said is it will launch in the US in late 2019, then will be rolled out worldwide at a later date. So that probably means 2020 before we see it over here. It's going to cost, they've said, substantially below the price of Netflix, which currently ranges from $5.99 to $10.99, depending if you're on standard definition or ultra high def. In terms of content, they're saying they're not going to go for huge like swathes of content like Netflix do. It's not going to be that sort of service. Uh, it's not going to have like thousands and thousands of shows. The idea is that, I mean, they will have, I think, some back catalogue stuff, but it will have four or five original movies and five original series on the platform when they're launching. That's what they're aiming for. We know that at least one of these shows is probably going to be a Star Wars one. We know that they have a few Star Wars series in development. We don't know much more about them other than one we know is a live action and I strongly suspect that one of them's going to be from Dave Filoni who's the guy behind Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. I don't know that for a fact but I think it's highly likely there will be another animated series from him. I seem to remember he was talking about the possibility of doing something else so I would suspect those would, would be the at least they will be aiming for those as Star Wars series fairly early on I would have thought. We also know there is a high school musical TV series in the works which surely is basically glee <laughs> i would have thought pretty much yeah, yeah. with a slightly disney edge to it so there's that there's a monsters inc animated series weekly series coming as well oh, so cool. there'll be that uh, so that that should be cool yeah what they have said is none of the content on the disney streaming service will be what america's called an r so right. none of it's going to be graphic or you know it's all going to be sort of pg rated stuff is the plan so basically i mean i don't know i mean they've said r so maybe it'll be kind of 15 you know 12 15 rated things as well maybe yeah what they've said is any of the more violent content they have will go on to hulu because they currently hold hold a 30 percent stake in hulu that will go to a 60 percent stake so they'll be the major share owner of hulu if the fox deal goes through which as we've said earlier or may or may not we still don't know at the moment if you're wondering about the marvel netflix shows they're all staying put because obviously they can't Good. That they can't move them onto the new Disney service because they are most definitely R-rated series, so they can't move those across yeah, anyway. Wouldn't Netflix also have a say in that? Since they're the ones that host it, or would? Or yeah, I mean, not? I guess because they are co-producing yeah. it with Netflix in the US. There was a deal where they had a lot of other Disney content on Netflix, and they've pulled all the other Disney content off Netflix. That's different in the UK because all the Disney stuff is on Sky, and Sky, of course, is part of Fox. 
Fox. So yeah. if the Fox deal goes through, I, I don't know what will happen with that. But um, as somebody pointed out when I posted this story, doesn't Disney already have a streaming service in the UK called Disney Life? Yes, that is true. Um, and that I don't think that exists in the US, which is weird. I don't know exactly what's going to happen to the Disney Life service when this comes out. My feeling is it could be that they roll the old Life service into this, whatever this new thing is, when that gets rolled out internationally. So it's sort of going to be Disney Life, but with a bunch of extra original content on it as well. Right. Would seem um, to, that, yeah. that would seem to be what they're probably going to end up doing but uh i can't confirm that for for sure they've really not said anything about what the international rollout's going to be like yet um mm-hmm. and what will happen to existing services so we'll have or to wait and see that. <laughs> yeah or what it will be called maybe it'll yeah. be called disney life everywhere and maybe that's going to be maybe maybe they'll lift the brand from here and, and move it over onto whatever the streaming service is so but we don't mm-hmm. know so that's not clear at the moment but we'll we'll give you more information as we hear about it but like i say it might not be until 2020 before we get it moving on uh we've got some quite good news that fans of dark matter because uh, melissa o'neill who played two in dark matter has joined nathan fillion's new show which is called the rookie i think we've mentioned this show before it stars fillion as a guy called john nolan he's the oldest rookie cop in the lapd he's a sort of middle-aged guy that moves himself from a small provincial town to los angeles to pursue his dream of becoming a cop he's joining all the other rookie cops which are at least 20 years younger than himself so he must navigate his way through the often dangerous sometimes humorous new career choice to make his second shot at life Kent. so it's quite a funny premise from i think for, for you know the idea of a, of a sort of aging rookie cop i think and it sounds perfect for nathan fillion i mean it's, it's exactly his sort of wheelhouse mm-hmm. if you're thinking that sounds like a dramedy it is it's uh from the same people that wrote castle so it's um likely to have very much that sort of feel to it melissa o'neill is playing somebody called lucy who is another rookie cop in the lapd who's struggling with a dominating training officer and seems to be developing a bit of a romance with nolan so she's she sounds like she's been cast as the romantic female lead they've also got a couple of other people announced called eric winter who's from rosewood and secrets and lies and afton williamson who was in the night of banshee winter's playing tim bradford who is the aforementioned dominating training officer and williamson is playing a newly promoted talia bishop who is given the job of training nolan so yeah i mean i i think this sounds like it could be quite good fun i mean i adored castle so the fact that it's from those guys it's nathan fillion who i just could watch forever because i <laughs> you know you know my love of firefly so uh uh-huh. castle was always a really fun show and so yeah i'm i'm quite looking forward to this we've no news on a uk pickup for it yet but i imagine it's one that alibi will go after because they used to run castle over here and it screams their sort of genre so uh, we'll we'll see where it lands but that's got a straight to series order that show so um that is definitely coming it's not a pilot it is coming and finally we have the new story that brian fuller the uh, somebody described him in the comments on facebook as the littlest hobo of uh, of, <laughs> of the tv world is leaving apple's amazing stories series i actually created a template when i posted this that says brian fuller quits insert name of show here because yeah, <laughs> this is the third thing that brian fuller has now walked away from amazing stories is was an anthology series that was being made for apple it's backed by steven spielberg 
like it's kind of anthology like Black Mirror in that none of the stories are the same but it had a much more kind of upbeat thing going for it than Black Mirror does you know Black Mirror is kind of can be very down and um, you know Amazing Stories was was much more of sort of fun and swashbuckling and you know it was much more that kind of thing so it sounds like he's left due to creative differences which was the same thing reason that he ended up leaving Star Trek Discovery and the same reason he ended up leaving American Gods by the sides of it as well because he clashed with on Star Trek Discovery over various things that they were doing and then American Gods he had an argument with the studio over the direction of the second season so Amazing Stories I mean interestingly the guy that he was working with which was uh, Hart Hansen who's the creator of Bones who was partnering on Amazing Stories who's also left as well so um it basically sounds like Apple wanted to do a, you know, make this their Black Mirror and they wanted it tonally to be the same sort of style as Black Mirror and Amazing Stories never really was that. So I can sort of see why he might decide to walk away from it. Somebody should interview him and say, look, what do you actually want to do? <laughs> like, uh, are you going to stay anything, basically? Well, I mean... Uh, and see what he says. The thing is, I think Fuller is at a point in his career where if he doesn't want to do something he doesn't need to do it if it doesn't feel right to him he can just walk away and i sort of respect him for that i'd rather he did that than work on something that he really doesn't believe in and isn't going the way that he think it should he has already got another job as i think we mentioned a few weeks ago he's working on Anne rice's vampire chronicles series which uh, hopefully he will stick out because that's something that he's been wanting to do since he was a teenager and he's working directly with Anne rice and christopher rice you know who are the people that are most invested in it so hopefully they're all on the same page i mean we don't know uh, hopefully he, d- he ends up staying there but uh, that seems to be the thing that is ma- mainly his focus at the moment we'll we'll see if it lasts i do hope it does because it was it is something that he seemed to desperately want so so that's all the news we have for this week next up we have an interview <laughs> This week's interview is with the cinematographer Luke Montpellier. Luke is an award-winning Canadian cinematographer. He's based out of Toronto. Uh, he shot the star's new science fiction thriller called Counterpart, which stars J.K. Simmons. We don't have any UK news for that yet, but it does sound like a really good show. We talk a bit about that in the interview. Recently, Luke's work has appeared on CBS's show Flashpoint and the Rocky Horror Picture Show television event, which uh, I think went on to Sky Movie over here. Uh, I don't know whether it's still on there but you could uh, go and have a look. He's also worked with household names including Breaking Bad's Vince Gilligan and the House and Good Doctors David Shaw. Uh, he worked on, with them on Battle Creek. Luke notably lent his craft to the critically acclaimed miniseries Hemingway and Callahan, which earned him a Genie Award for Best Photography as well as working with actor and director Sarah Polly's Academy Award nominated Away With Her. He's also worked on a number of indie films including Tiff and Director Guild of Canada Award award winner Cairo Time and Soul Cages, which earned Luke the award for Best Cinematographer in a Dramatic Short from the Canadian Society of Cinematographers. Really interesting guy. We actually spoke for about 50 minutes and I've sort of ended down to a 20-minute interview because we got very off topic and stuff. So uh, yeah, he was a really lovely guy to talk to. Here's the interview with Luke. Hope you really enjoy this. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, Luke. How you doing? Hi, David. I'm well. Good. Thank you for coming on and spending a little bit of time to uh, talk through your work and stuff. It's uh, nice no to have problem. you on. You're a cinematographer. I, it's one of those jobs that either gets cinematographer or director of photography. So, <laughs> Exactly. Both are valid. Uh, I go by both. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so um, when did you first get into cinematography then? I would say in, in the mid-90s, uh, part of my trajectory was going to film school in Toronto. It was called Ryerson Polytechnic Institute at the time, but it's now a university. Right, uh, yes. They were, I'd say, probably in the top five film schools in Canada. It was a very hands-on school, so it was pretty much focusing on production. So I pretty much went there, got there in 92 and spent four years at Ryerson meeting a lot of great people and um, left the school, I have to admit, without actually having finished my program because (laughs) there was this constant tactic by the professors to scare you into, you know, really getting your stuff together and really working hard. So as soon as I started getting work, because the mid 90s production in in music videos was really heavy at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was part of that whole generation of I left film school because I started shooting a lot of these little music videos. And next thing I knew, I said, well, listen, I'm getting paid as a cinematographer. Why? You know, it was kind of dumb because I pretty much did 99 percent of my classes. I finished all my film classes. I think I have one course left to finish my degree, but I never finished uh, <laughs> because I started working. I was scared into, you know, well, I'm getting paid, so I might as well keep going. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and, and kind of got sucked into the whole music video thing. I've probably shot over 100 music videos uh, that, you know, are way out of date at this time because it got into drama in the late 90s and kind of stuck there. But that was kind of the beginnings. Um it was a real good training ground for me because it was a lot of experimentation. Everyone was trying and these directors in the nineties were some of them were really trying new things photographically. So I was really excited to be part of that. So after that, you know, the odd short film would come along in the nineties and then got a chance. And I believe it was 94 to shoot my very first feature, which was the small little black and white film. Uh, but it got me really addicted to narrative. And from that point on, because I was so young, I guess I got known within the city uh, as being somebody that was doing drama. Uh, luckily, we have a system that funds films and television. Our government has some funds. And I know this is more kind of a regular thing when it comes to Europe. I think there's a lot more yeah, support yeah, we for- have- arts in general, but because we're so close to the U.S., it's very unusual to the Americans, let's say, that we have some funding for culture. So if you look at my early resume, a lot of it is Canadian film and television. My biggest break would be working with Sarah Pauly. I met Sarah, I don't know if you know that actress, but she directed a film called Away From Her that was her first feature. Obviously, Sarah has been an actor since she was a child. Yeah. And my collaboration with her kind of really changed my life in a lot of ways. Working on her films really taught me that, you know, movies can actually try to make a statement in the world as opposed to just be entertainment. So yeah. I got lucky early on to really connect with talented people like that. And that people to this day still talk to me about my work with her. <laughs> so based on that relationship, I would say that was a the real first official entry point into feature filmmaking. So it was half luck and half hard work 
kind of put me on the map a little bit. You've worked on the smaller independent things, and you've also got a a number of TV shows in there as well. Battle Creek, I noticed, which was the Vince Gilligan's show, which must yeah. have been great to be able to work with him, particularly as he was that was the first thing I think he did coming off Breaking Bad. So right, right, exactly. The script for for Battle Creek, and also David Shore partnered with him. He was yes, the, yeah. David Shore was very much the showrunner of that show. Right. But Vince had written this script basically, I believe, like 20 years before Breaking Bad, sitting on a shelf at at Sony for a long time. And I guess after the success of Breaking Bad, it was decided to kind of brush it off. And (laughs) I guess, you know, there was there was a lot of excitement around Vince's work. So David really kind of took that script and really kind of developed it beyond the ideas that Vince had put into it. Right. Okay. But it was interesting. It was really kind of exciting to work on something Vince had had his blessing and had had kind of it was his baby for a long time yeah so just working with that material was was a really kind of exciting time because again vince was his work was very much in the zeitgeist all over america so it was kind of fun to be able to kind of be involved in something like that yeah and i mean david shaw's an amazing i mean some of his shows have been brilliant i mean i adored house and uh, the one that he's got on at the moment i really like as well uh uh, which name escapes me? Uh, but uh, I have to admit, I forgot as well too. I think it's, uh, uh, it's a hospital, uh, the good, the good doctor. Hospital. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. I mean, that's the thing is that you had Vince's voice. Vince had written a script that was very much indicative of his style with Breaking Bad. It's a very personal thing. But then you added David's voice on top of that, and it became this amazing hybrid. Yeah, uh, because you you get to know David. His sense of humor is extremely smart and he's he's just very sharp guy very much like Vince but there's slightly different styles of showrunners in a lot of ways you know yeah. so it was really fun to put them together and that's why it kind of became something new Battle Creek unfortunately it didn't find its audience it only lasted one season yeah but the time on the show was very exciting you could tell that we were really kind of being asked to really push limits on a network that hadn't traditionally done that because that's the major difference between network television which is what battle creek was yeah and then you have amc uh, we're breaking bad i mean you're able to content wise explore a lot of different things so the challenge was to really try to be bold within a net, the confines of a network series, which to me was an extreme, like, again, that was the challenge that I really found interesting is how do you compel an audience and be honest about things without watering things down too much? And I thought David did a really good job of striking that balance. One of the other interesting projects which cropped up last year for you was the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Wolf Again, yes. which was <laughs> this uh, this TV kind of remake of of rocky horror and i adore rocky horror i adore the original such a fun film and uh, the tv version was really really fun as well approaching a project like that is that sort of daunting when there is this massive cult following behind the original property absolutely there's definitely was an awareness around the entire idea of even touching this property, this show, this film that everyone, just a lot of people adore. That was a very scary idea to everybody. But at the same time, kind of a potentially exhilarating idea of trying to attack material that people love so much. Like, I mean, 
we knew even Lorraine was talking about this who played Frankenfurter, Lorraine Cox. You could tell she was extremely aware of the legacy behind that. First of all, Rocky Horror was my very first musical because Kenny (laughs) Ortega directed it and he's very much a musical god, you know, in that whole genre of filmmaking. Um, And he's, he's got decades of experience. So for me, again, talking about what I was talking about, to work with someone like that on a genre I'd never worked on mm. was extremely exciting and very scary. But, you know, the project had a lot of amazing connections to the original. I mean, it was produced by Lou Adler, which pretty much produced, he produced the original film. So yeah. we had him as a creative force with, it was very much he and Kenny working this whole project out, but also wanting it to be a more of an interpretation and a fresh kind of reimagining of the original film, because there's no way you could ever touch the original film. Yeah. So right from the outset, we all talked about how we shouldn't try to remake that. The stories and the music are obviously all very similar and they're the same, but there was this conscious effort to restage this like it was a new stage play because Rocky Horror had a whole legacy of uh, having different interpretations within the theater world. Yes. Uh, The ideas and the fun behind this piece is quite universal. And especially, you know, today we're culturally in a very different place than when Lou produced the original film. So that universal aspect of it and the ideas behind it kind of gave, at least in my interpretation, license to be able to interpret it on our own and to make it Kenny's baby in a lot of ways. He was with Michael Jackson uh, when with his unfortunate passing. Yeah. Suddenly that got ripped out from underneath him. You could tell there are things within Rocky Horror that he had talked about concepts that he was bringing to his work with Michael Jackson that he finally got to produce. So it was this amalgamation of different things happening, this idea that we're re- hopefully reinterpreting this fantastic piece of work, but then having Kenny attached to it, it's a lot more of a musical than the original film. If you look at the choreography of the original film, there's none really. Apparently it was just a bunch of friends doing these little basic moves, but it's, it's very much a reinterpretation of it. So I'm hoping, or we were hoping just having somebody worked on something like this. Listen, there was, there were days where we're like, I don't know, man, are people going to really love what we're doing? There was definitely an awareness on the set about the kind of responsibility to it. And you'll always have the purists in any genre that are going to hate the remakes and they're going to hate the interpretations. I mean, yeah. there's a whole series of, of Star Wars nerds out there that, <laughs> and I am one of them too, that just are trying to discredit The Last Jedi because yeah. uh, Luke wouldn't do this and this and that. And you know what? It's very much about, it's kind of Rocky Horror's in the same realm where it's also understandable that people feel like it's very much their film. Yeah. The people that love Rocky Horror they have a real love of it. So the idea of messing with that was nervous, but also at the same time, you also don't want to feel like you can't create an interpretation of a great piece of work because everyone on the set for this interpretation was a huge fan and loved the, the project so much. And just having Lou involved in the project just really made everyone excited that it was a little bit of a kind of a gold stamp of approval to Mm. say, okay, guys, go and remake this and let's have fun. As you say, there's been so many stage versions of it. I don't really have any problem with you creating a, a sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, for made for TV 
as you said, it was almost a stage version made for TV, which I, you know, I, I think it was great. It was fun. It was a, it was a fun little uh, project to do. I think we knew at the end that not everyone would be a huge fan, but we had a lot of fun. Making. Well, that's yeah, so. that's always good. So, <laughs> <laughs> and but, also, just I'll just say this as a genre, I totally like. We spent a month in rehearsals. Uh, really, and Ken was really choreographing that. And I'd never been involved in prepping a film like this or a project like this because, you know, I'm very much used to a different way of working. So it really kind of, again, another kind of mark on in my career where I was able to shake things up a little bit. The latest thing, which is kind of the main thing you're probably really on to talk about, is uh, Counterpart, which is this new TV series. I mean, the cast for this, for a TV show particularly, I I think is is brilliant. It's uh, J.K. Simmons, Olivia Williams, and uh, Harry Lloyd, who I think most people will know as uh, Viserys Targaryen more than anything else. And It's got a great cast behind it. I love the premise of it, which is this idea that J.K. Simmons plays a sort of office worker that discovers that the office he's working in is actually this sort of portal through to a parallel world and he ends up meeting his counterpart. Where do you start with something like this from uh, your point of view? Because you're dealing with these parallel worlds so you're you're dealing with two jk simmons in quite a lot of or in some places and uh you're dealing with like duplicate characters so that must make things tricky for you absolutely just exactly that of of being able to stage scenes on a technical front with two versions of the same person or two parallel copies of each other was a real challenge on a lot of these were a challenge you could tell for jk because he had to basically perform to himself at different times on a shoot day where we would shoot one side of the scene where JK would perform against a stand-in that was a little bit more that were, was actually engaging in dialogue with him. Yeah. And then he would go away, change his clothes and come back. And while he was changing, we would edit the audio of his side that he just performed. And then he would come back and basically perform to all only audio of himself to perform the other side of the screen. So you can imagine how challenging that would be wow. for yeah. an actor to create a, a natural performance. So to, to me, my hat off to him for having been able to really trick everyone, including the crew, in making us believe at, at, with all of this technical uh, requirement to stage these scenes, he really fooled us into creating this really seamless, fluid, natural conversation with himself, essentially. Yeah. So what's beautiful about Counterpart is that I feel it really tricks the audience and it draws you in with its premise of this multidimensional universe. But once you're there, these scenes with different versions of yourself, of this whole notion of if you had lived a different version of your life, how that would that have affected you? There's a really a lot of soul mm. to this and a lot of human accessibility. So even me being excited as a science fiction fan to come in, it really kind of drawed towards my earlier work as a cinematographer where I worked, I've been working a lot of human dramas. At a core, it very much felt like once you stripped away all of this, the sci-fi aspect of the show, that's really what drew me in. Uh, right. And just what we're, what I'm hoping will draw the audiences in too. So it's amazing how every day 
you would spend hours setting up these motion control rigs so that you can move the camera around, create these seamless moves, and you have all the visual effects people there, and everyone's buzzing around, and the focus and the conversation is all about how do we create technically these scenes. But then when we start rolling, you were reminded constantly of why you were doing it. Yeah. So as much as it's a piece of entertainment counterpart, there's a lot of soul to the project, and, and I'm hoping people will connect with the characters because this whole idea of would you have made different choices if you were, you know, had different things happen in your life, which is essentially what the, the, the two dimensions are, uh, because they're very different events that happen in both worlds. Everyone has this kind of notion at one point. So hopefully that'll be a universal idea that people can really grab onto. It's a really interesting sounding show. I, I like the fact that although it is sci-fi, it does seem to be, you know, it's it's not like a, you know, spaceships and that sort of stuff, sci-fi. I should mention Justin Marks, the, the creator of the show yeah. and the showrunner, he had very specific ideas on the visuals of the, of the show based on trying to create these two separate worlds. And Justin had created, uh, I mean, first of all, I think the writing the writer's room was open a year before we even started production. So we started the show with having all 10 episodes written. So you could truly read the entire arc of the series and you were able to make creative choices based on the 10 episodes. That's so interesting. Yeah. Would, Things could connect, you know, that you, the things photographically, let's say, that you would make choices on in episode two, you could easily come back and, and kind of connect it to episode six. So everyone was very much treating this like a very long film, which to me, the way we prepped the show was very much like that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, there were two cinematographers, there were three directors, but we were all able to, four directors, because Morton Tilden directed the pilot. We were all able to kind of work through that. And, and Justin was integral in keeping everybody on track for what he had created. And one thing I should mention, I'm jumping around here, is that Justin had very much created a handbook for the organization that is protecting the secret. All the rules, right. where things are, like he had created this entire handbook as if we were an employee of this organized secret organization <laughs> and we could always draw. So he was very specific and meticulous about details because we were playing a lot of subtleties. I mean, if you notice with the show, there's a, there's a visual style that's very much a little bit more retro mm. and, and all that creative choice within the office is directly, which I don't want to give it away, but is directly tied to script and story reasons. So it's not just right. an arbitrary, hey, let's make this thing look like an 80s, you know, it's stuck in the 80s as just a cool retro choice. Justin was extremely good at connecting those things and giving everything a reason to be within the show. So when you're kind of involved with a high concept thing, it really ups your game to try to peel away the layers of the onion and away for every scene and to bring your game up to its maximum level. So to me, that's what I got out of the show is when you read such, I think everyone was drawn to this project based on the scripts that were written. Yeah. I have not read something so meticulous and complicated in my life. <laughs> I have to admit I had to read every script twice, three times to really go in and get the nuance of what's going on. 
But what's really fun is I'm hoping the audiences will kind of go on that ride as well, because we, I know for a fact, have the same experience just making the show. Because we cover a lot of TV shows on the site, uh, we have two questions we always finish with. So the first one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? I got to say, uh, The Walking Dead. Yes. And the, the, I think it's season 11 of The X-Files. I think that show, personally, it changed the, the kind of tide on television. I and mean, yeah. to me, that was show that I think a lot of cable networks are modeling when it comes to being able to attempting to watch a film every week. I think they really started it in the 90s or 2000s. Well, I forget when the show started. But (laughs) uh, so it's kind of great to get back to those characters. And Chris Carter seems to be focusing a lot more on the kind of mythology of the show. Yeah. The whole alien abduction and it like it really it's fun because I would always wait for those episodes to show up as much as I like the other the other standalone episodes. I would always wait for the the longer arc to show up. And this one, it's all that. So it's really exciting to come back to that. Yeah. Um, And yeah. So those are the two shows right now that I'm I'm watching. And if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, which (laughs) show would it be? Oh, that's interesting. I would say Westworld. Yes. Um, Again, another high concept show that is very well written and very exciting. And, you know, Stephen Williams was one of our, uh, he produced Lost for Bad Robot. uh, Right, yeah. Pretty much many of the years, if not all of them. Uh, I, I don't know exactly, but he was one of our directors on Counterpart, and he uh, he directed last season. He directed an episode of Westworld, and, right? Um, and to me, I'm a a big fan of the show just as content, but even just talking to him about the experiences they had on that show, making it, and it was like a big budget film every week. So it's that's exciting to me to have the resources to do something well. So that would be a show I'd love to work on. Absolutely. And uh, another one that's a completely different genre, but again, is Better Call Saul. I'm a big fan of, (laughs) again, a completely different story. Yeah. So I just watched the last season, but again, very smart work. So it's quite exciting right now in television. Yeah. And being somebody that works in the in the medium, that's why for me, my early TV work, I always tried to get a bit involved in something that was a bit more auteur driven. Because yeah. again, Canada, we had the options of like one director directing ten episodes. Yeah. But again, this idea you could tell your your story over a long period of time is such a different way of thinking it compared to films. Yeah. So, uh, but there still seems to be a lot of that happening. So thank you to the streaming networks in a lot of ways, <laughs> right? the Amazon yeah. and, uh, you know, Netflix just announced an investment of $500 million over five years on Canadian content. Oh, wow. So that, uh, yeah. that's an amazing thing that it never happened in the history of the country. Yeah. A private studio, everyone goes to Hollywood, right? So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's an exciting time. Definitely Toronto's never been busier. Thank you for coming on and spending a bit of time. This is great. Well, it was a, a pleasure talking to you. I thank you for uh, taking some time. Yeah, lovely talking to you too. Have a really excellent rest of your day. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. So that was the interview with Luke Montpellier. Counterpart, which is the main show that we were talking about on there, which stars J.K. Simmons, doesn't have a UK air date yet. Hopefully we'll get one soon because it does sound like a really interesting kind of high concept sci-fi show. So uh, we'll keep an eye out for that and keep an eye on the site for more news on uh, hopefully when that drops over here. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. 
So highlights for next week. There's actually quite a few things that are uh, coming back or uh, starting next week. We've got this new show called Bliss, which comes to Sky One on the 14th of February at 10pm. This stars Stephen Mangan as a man with two wives, one of who is Heather Graham, the other one is This Is England, Joe Hartley. Looked like a really interesting, fun entertaining series it's basically about a polygamist that is married to two different people they'd be trailing that on sky one that looks like it could be quite good fun uh gray's anatomy returns for part two of season 14 that's on the 14th of february at 9 p.m on sky living the strain season four for those of you that were wondering about that because it was dropped over here by um watch i think we're w? showing it yeah w yeah. channel formerly known as watch that was dropped but uh sky on demand have now picked it up so if you've got sky on demand or now tv from the 15th of february season four of that will be available to uh, download as a box set from those places so uh, yeah i'm quite glad about that because it's glad it's popped up somewhere have you watched it yeah i've watched the first three seasons so i'm quite interested to see what the final season's like because it's kind of me annoying too. they dropped it on the final season yeah, so i'm um, quite glad about that so that's on now tv and sky on demand from the 15th of february for the strain season four stargate origins which is this thing that's coming to the stargate command app so technically i I guess it's more a web TV series, a web series than a TV series, but uh, that's coming on the 15th of February. This is the prequel to the Stargate series. It's coming directly to the Stargate Command app, which uh, if you Google Stargate Command, it'll come up. I think it, it's something like £15 for a lifetime membership to it, and that gives you access to all the Stargate series and all the Stargate movies and the TV movies and everything, plus a bunch of other bits and pieces. So if you're a fan of Stargate, it's kind of worth signing up anyway. That sounds like a pretty good price. Yes, yeah. It's, what it sounds like quite a lot of stuff yeah quite a lot of content and it's it's the moment they're definitely saying it's a one-off price so uh, it's not like a monthly fee it's literally you pay for it and that's it and uh, you get stargate origins as part of that which is this new series i don't know whether it'd be any good but uh, if you're a stargate fan it's worth a go and look mozart in the jungle that's back for season four on amazon prime on the 16th of february if you want to go and see that training day which was the uh, last thing that bill paxton shot before he uh, sadly passed away last year that's coming to 5 USA, so there's only one scene of it because of the fact that Bill Paxton died. That's on the 16th of February at 9pm. Netflix have a new series called Everything Sucks, which is is quite good for people that are into your 90s nostalgia. It's coming on the 16th of February. It looks quite funny. It's basically set in a high school in boring Oregon, which is a genuine place actually. Uh, boring Oregon in 1996. <laughs> it's it's uh, the sort of genuine 90s high school experience is what they're saying it is. So it's sort of a, mm-hmm. a teen drama but it looks like it's quite funny and sort of drama comedy based uh, so that could be quite an interesting one to watch yeah i saw the trailer at the at the weekend yeah it's kind of interesting sorry yeah looked like see. it could be good fun so uh, that's netflix on the 16th of february that is that's where everything sucks Mosaic, which is a new mini-series that's coming to Sky Atlantic on the 17th of February at 10pm. This stars Sharon Stone as a successful children's author whose royal idealism is submerged by an avalanche of deception, lies, corruption and murder. So who knows exactly what what that's about. But there you go. Uh, That's the description we have for it. So uh, that's called Mosaic. It's a HBO series. So then the HBO miniseries are usually quite good. So it could be worth watching. 17th of February for that at 10pm. Troy, Fall of a City. There's a miniseries coming to BBC One on the 17th of February at 10 past nine. This is from David Farr, who's the guy behind the Night Manager. It's an 
eight-part series retelling the fall of Troy. So if you like your historical dramas, and the fact that it's from David Farr, I think that could be worth watching. Criminal Minds back for season 13B. That's on the 19th of February at 9pm. Got Blind Spot back for season 3B. That's on the 19th at 10pm. And uh, they're both on Sky Living. Then we've got Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. That's back for its fifth season. That's on the 19th of February at 10 past 10. I'm really looking forward to that going back. Marcella, season two of that. That's the British crime noir detective series starring Anna Friel. That's on the 19th of February at 9pm. And then Here and Now, which is another HBO show, comes on the 20th of February at 9pm, stars Holly Hunter and Tim Robbins. It's from Alan Ball, who is the guy behind Six Feet Under and True Blood. I mean, it sounds like it's, it's kind of almost their version of This Is Us. I could be wrong about that, but the description makes it sound a bit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know until I see it, but Alan Ball's a really, really interesting guy to have behind any show. So uh, I think I might go and check that out and see what that's like. But that's called Here and Now and coming to Sky Atlantic on the 20th of February at 9pm. Have you seen This Is Us? Yes. Yeah, I yeah, loved... I need to start watching it. Loved, loved the first series of that. Uh, the second series is coming at some point in the spring, I think it's landing over here. Okay. Um, really, really enjoyed it. It's uh, Channel 4 it runs on over here, but uh, worth going to look up. I, I mean, not genre or any way. Well, I don't know. It jumps around in time quite a lot, I guess. So, But okay. uh, but it, it isn't a sci-fi series. It just it just a very, very well put together drama that kind of has things set in different time periods and uh, they all sort of connect up and stuff. But it, it, it's really good. Very, very good, solid drama. Well worth going to watch. So that's everything we have for this week. If you want to find the latest news and information, you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and find all the latest info. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, on Instagram at geektownuk. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.